Hello and welcome to Birkbeck Voices, the monthly podcast from Birkbeck, University of London. I'm Andrew Youngson. Each time we're out and about in the college speaking to academics, students and members of staff. This month we're focusing squarely on Law on Trial, the School of Law's week-long programme of free public events which this year is themed around the EU referendum. Law on Trial 2016, the European Union at the crossroads, runs at Birkbeck from Monday the 13th to Friday the 17th of June. Held one week prior to the EU referendum, that's the 23rd of June just in case your polling card hasn't arrived yet, Law on Trial will feature top academics in conversation about some of the most pressing issues around EU membership that voters are having to consider. From the financial crisis to sovereign debt and identity to possible futures, all will be in focus during the five-day programme of free public events. This week I met with Professor Michelle Everson, law academic and key organiser of Law on Trial 2016, to give you a preview of what to expect at the events. I climbed to the top of 4 Gower Street to her office, where we spoke about all things EU. Professor Everson, thank you very much for joining us. And um, it's a pleasure. Before we get into talk about Law and Trial, the week itself, I wanted to start with the big heavy question. I mean, this, this is, a, is a very politically sensitive, very politically charged area, especially as we're so close to the actual referendum vote itself on the 23rd of June. Can I ask... What role do you think academia should be playing in this space at this time or, or any point in the lead up to such a big momentous vote? Well, in particular, in, in relation to, to, to the referendum, it's um, academia is possibly the only chance you have of having a debate. What's been interesting trying to organise the Law and Trial Week was that... Um, Originally, we had quite a few institutional players who'd agreed to speak, people from the court, Mm -hmm. people from the commission, people from European agencies. And as the political debate around the referendum has grown ever more toxic, with every and any statement being greeted just with a wave of cynicism and and accusations of lying, our institutional speakers have withdrawn. Mm -hmm. So I've brought in academic speakers. So at one level, academic debate is absolutely vital because otherwise you're not going to have any debate at all. But generally academic debate, and especially around Europe, because um, we academics have been quite heavily involved, not just in the study of Europe, but also in a certain sense in creating Europe. Um, uh, This is a new novel exercise and no one's really known at any point in the course of the evolution of Europe to the European Union exactly what they were doing. So it's one of those areas where you've had an awful lot of academic policy advice. We are brought in, we are listened to as experts. So there's a lot of knowledge uh, about what has happened and why things are going quite so terribly wrong in Europe uh, that I think around the debate can be brought to bear. Mm. Not facts as such, but more... I mean, there aren't facts. I don't think this debate's about facts. It's more... Yeah, what are, what are the orientations? What are the problems? Why why the breakdown? And uh, just the potential futures for Europe and the UK uh, from now on in. Were, were you surprised when some of the institutional speakers started to politely decline? I was, was furious. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I was a bit angry. It was, it was very difficult organising things I like bet, this. I bet, I You're the key one that's... <laughs> no, I was surprised. Together. I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, well, initially surprised, but then as I saw the debate and how it was developing, and, and it really is a toxic debate. There's, I, I just... 
I'm not quite sure how how anyone can make their mind up when any assertion about anything mm-hmm. is immediately trashed. It's you know it's not no it's not it's it, it's not been an edifying spectacle mm-hmm. at all. Moving on to talk about the the five day um, program of, of events as one of the key players pulling this together. What did you want to curate when you set out? When you said, okay, you know what, I'll take this one. I'll organise this year's um, program. Um, I wanted to, and it's when I agreed to do it. Actually, I wasn't really thinking about Brexit at all. I was thinking about the myriad crises within Europe because this is it's a strange. I mean, it's it's Europe has survived all sorts of changes, vast changes. You wouldn't have expected the common market to develop beyond a common market back in the 1970s when it wasn't even, I mean, it wasn't even really active as a common market. And then the shock of uh, uh, the wall coming down and Eastern European enlargement. And, and generally, these sort of things Europe has appeared to master along the way. But um, with financial crisis, the whole edifice had begun to shake, and obviously with migration around it. So I, w- I was more interested in actually pinpointing and discussing um, why the varied crises of European integration at this point, why why from an institution that there's an old, um, well, it's an old European uh, legal term, which is the community method. The community method is like a comfort blanket that sort of comes down or did come down for 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 you know, the Luxembourg Accords to go. So, you know, 40, 50 years that smoothed out any form of any form of change never developed into a crisis. It was it was smoothed out. But this time around, no. I mean, the uh, the financial uh crisis followed then by the sovereign debt crisis really has shown the cracks in the edifice so that was my that was my initial desire mm-hmm. to curate and also um to sketch out uh possible futures more mm-hmm. more sort of and different futures maybe from those currently being proposed both at european and at national level mm-hmm. there are alternative views about what europe should be out there and to bring those to the fore yeah and there, there, I mean, you, you mentioned there, you know, the financial debate, the sovereignty debate. Um, is this primarily a financially driven um, debate that we're coming up to? Um, how much of it is, you know, uh, around people's cultural sense of identity, you know, borders, um, things like that? It's, I mean, well, you're asking, you're asking me to preempt my speakers. This is what <laughs> I've, sort of, I've sort of planned into. Speak for them, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll speak for them. Well, I'll speak. No, no, I'll give you my views. I, um, my instincts are that this is, uh, and it's not a European crisis. This is a global crisis, and it's a crisis of, um, I would say, political economic liberalism, uh, and it's it's an ancient crisis, really. It's I think we could we can trace it way back to uh, the nineteen forties. Uh, you'd have. I don't know if, you, if you, you'd had in 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 depression, the Great Depression, and in war, you'd had the collapse of the old classical liberal model, yeah? both the economic classical liberal model of laissez-faire mm-hmm. that that fell to the dictators, and also a crisis in liberal governing strategies. Yeah? A mass democracy is a crisis for a liberal governing strategy, mm-hmm. and somehow then uh, there was. A compromise, so 1945 onwards, is a compromise wherein 
classical liberal forces were held in some form of equilibrium with more socially oriented forces and with cultural traditional forces. Uh, I think within Europe, the mainland, Christian democracy, not, not conservatism, but Christian democracy, is not just a conservative force, it's a culturally tradition and conditioned force. So those sort of equilibria were established. But could they survive long term and could they survive uh, could they survive their own aspirations to be universal in the sense of globalization is also a moral approach no and i think we've still got that problem of defining our relations with the market but also a market that is is still surrounded is still surrounded by cultural social traditions and forces and values so for your average person on the street They'll probably say, well, what was that all about? But, mm. but, but in essence, it's about, you know, what are they feeling? They're feeling financial insecurity, employment insecurity, also cultural and social insecurity. For me, it's all related. It's all absolutely related. And it's related to our, our, our struggle, a big struggle at the moment, to actually define how we move forward, how we keep all of this in balance. And that has obviously um, defied, well, it's, uh, the politicians haven't managed to get an angle on that. And mm-hmm. academics, to be honest, we struggle too. Mm-hmm. But it's pinpointing those issues and finding a way forward. Yeah, it's quite interesting that this is um, a debate that's being brought to the the forefront of the programme within the School of Law. People will <laughs> understand the links between politics and law, but could you speak to that a little bit? The, actually, Europe, again, I mean, the, the great theories of European integration are actually legal theories, which I can imagine all the Eurosceptics uh, uh, are going, well, we knew this all the time. But I know it's true, it's true. It would be integration through law, uh, the idea that in the absence of a, uh, a, a a political settlement, so the decision for a federal st- state, more or less, yeah, a European polity, that the project would be driven by law. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And that that has certainly been around since, well, explicitly, I think, since the late 1970s. Well, 1960s, the court started, but the big movement, late 1970s, uh, 1980s. So law has always been integral to the European project. And uh, it is, I mean, again, actually, I, I didn't mention the legal crisis. We, we've, we've got a legal crisis at the moment as well what within we? Europe. In that um, financial crisis and sovereign debt crisis uh, has caused an incredible strain within the legal framework of the European Union. And to a certain degree, um, the rule of law is collapsing in Europe. Uh, how that? I mean, this is that's quite a theoretical debate, but it's 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 ultimately about the fact that the treaty could not. I mean, the treaty actually it became a barrier. So the law, the constitutional law of the European Union, became a barrier to efforts to end the sovereign debt crisis, efforts to. Um, redistribute or or to transfer monies between European Union states. It still is a barrier to that. And the uh, what happens when, you know, imagine you're a constitutional lawyer and there's an absolute potential complete collapse of the euro and markets the next day if you don't somehow find a way to say that lending Greece money 
mm. is legal, yeah? And in fact, the treaty says it's not legal. So what do you do? Yeah, you make up a, well, well, you make up, no. You engage in creative judicial interpretation, but ultimately you're saying white is black. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah? yeah, an apple is an orange. Yeah. A dog is a cat, <laughs> in your judgment. So that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's a crisis in law. Mm-hmm. That's a crisis in law. You're talking about, um, and these will be brought up during the week, these, these very, you know, at some levels, very complex highly integrated, convoluted um, issues going on. Well, try on. not to make them too convoluted. Ex- well, no, but, but I'm talking <laughs> the, 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 the referendum itself. But, yeah, you, you look at the, the, the list of events coming up at, at Law yeah. and Trial, and there's some very straightforward um, uh, events that speak to the layperson like me. Yeah. Was that a real concern? When, yes, it, yeah. is, it is a concern. We have tried. I mean, um, I, I do hope I've not been too... Um, uh, abstract in explaining the events but we've also tried to um, these are the issues you're going to be interested in Mm. Brexit bang yeah why or why not what do people think Mm. migration migration crisis what is going on Mm -hmm. Uh, how likely are we you know to see more of that crisis is there a potential for that to be mastered what is happening in the member states financial crisis we're going to try and make that as easy as possible as he, uh, but that you know it's difficult financial sure, crisis sure, sure, is sure. difficult but how's the regulatory structures will they not will it not happen again mm-hmm. you know are the regulatory structures good enough to stop it happening again that's 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 the question there and then the final evening um cultural mm-hmm. this is the final evening is going to be um very much a cultural approach to the futures of Europe. Um, we'll be showing uh, certainly clips from a film, and we hope the whole film, uh, which has been produced by uh, Manuela Sechner, um, uh, and it's 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 a lovely film about cultural memories in Europe. Uh, so there'll be cultural uh, uh, representations of what Europe might be, as well as slightly more philosophical representations on that evening. So hopefully this will be amenable. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely seems, seems if that's to be. the word. Um, and then just just lastly, the um, why is I mean, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to to declare what you're going to be voting out of the way, but I certainly am interested in your opinion on why does it seem that the the, the referendum is too close to call for some of our leading experts and and politicians in this field. I really wouldn't know either. I um, <laughs> the debate has been. Difficult. Uh, the debate has not spoken to visions. As I say, I'm not sure. I think people have been misled that there are real facts out there. I, I, I just, just don't think there are facts. How much do we spend? It's very difficult to produce a calculation that cost-benefit analysis of our membership of Europe. It's also nigh on impossible, say, around Im- immigration to say what is going to be happening over the next 10, 20, 30 years. So potentially we're at the beginning of a global migration crisis. So I don't don't think facts really are there. And both sides of the debate have tended to speak to facts Mm -hmm. rather than visions. And uh, there is no appeal. There is no appeal really to a a vision of the UK in Europe or, or indeed a real vision of the UK outside Europe and in that sense people are disoriented I would imagine they've got real concerns but they're also disoriented and have they made up their minds yet that's mm. the question mark and that's but then I I really don't know either mm. I don't 
Okay, but but okay. it's interesting, just drawing you back to that point you were saying that in a in a space, at least you know, in the instance of uh, Law and Trial 2016, um, in a space where institutional and political voices have vacated, academia yeah. has come in. That's yeah. heartening. That yeah. has to be heartening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that um, I'm, uh, I haven't had problems with academics withdrawing <laughs> at all. In fact, I've had problems stopping them coming. <laughs> Only too happy to stand up to a lectern. <laughs> Absolutely. I've never Absolutely. heard the like. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, it is also a very critical and aware group of academics. Um, it isn't a captured group of academics. It's academics who've always... Uh, questioned uh, Europe and the relation of 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 nation states to Europe's to Europe um, um, and the paradoxes of European organisation and uh, it's also a very international bunch. Mm-hmm. So there are Norwegians, there are Italians. What D- have you. Does that does that help um, mitigate against any potential academic bias or um, or in either direction of the vote? Well, it's biased in my sort of approach to Europe, I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid, which has always been a very, you know, critical and looking at the paradoxes of mm-hmm. Europe. So it's biased in that way. Um, I, um, on a personal level, which I've been surprised by my colleagues in these circles, where some have fallen for and against, I have been really surprised. So I think... Well, there might be some unexpected surprises next week. Mm-hmm. Well, we look forward to it. Thank <laughs> you very too. much. Pleasure. That was Professor Michelle Everson there talking about Law and Trial 2016, the European Union at the Crossroads, which runs at Birkbeck from the 13th to the 17th of June. To book a free place at one of the programme's five events, click the link on this episode's description. That's it for me for this special preview edition of Birkbeck Voices. As ever, we love hearing your thoughts on the podcast, so just drop us an email at communications at bbk.ac.uk. Until next time, take care!